Welcome, my friends, to the show. Glad to have you on board. Getting organized. That'll happen, right? Shut the door real quick there. So, welcome to the show. Let's talk. I'm Mike, your host. This episode I'm calling Be Not Left Behind in so many ways. Not just, you know, the rapture comes and you get left behind, but in your wisdom and your knowledge and your understanding. Be up to date. Be ready to defend the faith. Don't be scared about, you know, what you'll say and how you'll say it and all those kinds of things because that'll all just come. The Holy Spirit will be with you and it'll tell you what to say when the time comes. So you don't have to worry about it. You don't rely on your own wisdom and understanding like the Lord told Jeremiah. You go out there one time and speak on your own and I'll make you look like a butt fool. So, <clears throat> you know, God's telling us right off the rip. Don't be relying on what you think you know because you don't, you know, that kind of thing. So, anyways, it's a really important, really important part of being a born-again believer is that you understand and you know that the Holy Spirit is with you. You don't have to have any fear whatsoever, and I know that's easier said than done. And um, be ready. It says in the scripture, be ready in season and out of season. So, you know, obviously when we're going to church on Sunday or uh, synagogue on Saturday, we're ready, right? So, you know, we bring our Bibles or our scroll books and whatever, and you go. But what about, say, like, we'll call, you know, you're just chilling, hanging out in public. We'll call that part out of season. So you got to be ready in season, be ready out of season. And don't be afraid to ask questions. That is the only way you're going to find out what's going on. And it's also the only way you're going to find out what kind of pastor you have. Okay? I'm not saying pastors have to be scholars with what they know and understand. Okay? Some are just very basic, and that, that's fine. But the problem is when they don't have any, any incline, inclination to research that sort of subject on their own accord or in response to your question. And maybe if you're lucky, they'll even do it with you, like have a, a group thing, you know, and you'll look into the subject together. And don't be afraid also, once again, to be, you know, that fish swimming against, <laughs> against the, uh, the school of fish. You ever see that poster, a big school of fish, real fish, going in one direction and then they impose another fish going in the opposite direction of everybody else. Doesn't mean he's not right. It could mean they're wrong and he is right. You know, that kind of thing. Don't be afraid. Never be afraid. I want to cover, uh, let me say the prayer and I'll, we'll get started with the show. Dear Heavenly Father, the times and the days, each and every day, Lord, not tomorrow, not next week, each day, as you said, Jesus, has troubles enough of its own. So why worry about tomorrow? Don't fret over it. Be conscious of today. Today, today, today. I ask you to help us, Lord, to understand that and put it into action, Lord. Hang on, cat wants in. Come on. Yeah, meow. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, sorry. We're supposed to be the movers and shakers. We're supposed to be the power brokers. 
You know, we have the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the living God lives inside us, the creator of all things on heaven and earth and anything in between and underneath and all, all sorts of stuff we don't even know about. We can't see it. And all those things were made by you, Father, for your glory and praise and honor. And as we look at those things, Lord, please help us to remember once again, you are with us always. We are not alone. We are not orphaned. We are in your hand, Lord, and no power, no power can take us from you. And we just wait and pray for that day, Father God, when we can be together again, not us on earth and you in your kingdom, but we with you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in your kingdom. And I ask you, Father, so, so, so strongly, so much, Lord, that you always remember, Father God, thy people Israel, and for the peace of Jerusalem. And never forget, Father God, never forget. Promise you our, our love and affection, Lord. We promise you our diligence and duty. We thank you for all your promises. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, a lot of times on this show, I know I, you know, always talking about that again or whatever. Well, if you notice when I do that, uh, the thing or the subject matter of what I've talked about before isn't exactly the same, and the notes aren't the same. It's a different story. It's a new development. And so I try to, in this show either just, you know, off the cup or in, the, in, the, in my notes, I try to make you aware, help you to see and understand what you're looking at in the world and what part these people are playing and how it affects us, not just as Christians, but <laughs> just as citizens of the world. We always have to remember that the Lord never does anything, this is scripture, without warning first. Right now in our country, we're being warned <laughs> in, you know, <laughs> no doubt about it. We are being warned. The Lord is trying to tell us, hey, listen, you abandoned me. You know, starting in the early 60s, as I've said before. And it just rolled on from there. You know, then we had... Issues with marriage and sex and all kinds of nonsense going on. And then came abortion. And now we're, you know, who are we? Well, I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl. Flipping tards. Hang on a second. I got a drink of water. I don't mean that pridefully or, you know, I'm just trying to get a grip <laughs> still on their idea of things and how things should be and how things should happen. I, I just, I don't get it. But anyways, it's for us to know and to understand because the Lord wants us ready and diligent. And I'm not telling you a whole bunch of science fiction stories just for the sake of science fiction. I'm telling you because it matters. I just want to say, you know, it's a warning. Be ready. Get prepared if you're not already. Read your scripture. Pray. 
seek wisdom, truth, understanding, the mercy of God, forgiveness. You know, that should be every day. But most importantly, I want you to know what's going to happen. Sometimes I can tell you why. Sometimes it's just, just the way it is. But I don't want you to fear. Of course, there's going to be, you know, a jolt. It'll be a jolt to the system. It'll be something that, you know, you didn't quite see coming. So, you know, that kind of thing, like a 9-11 or whatever. But it doesn't have to be that extreme. There's going to be a lot of confusion and terror will be in the hearts of man. Especially those who don't know why and what's going on. But we know because the scripture tells us about the types of people and the types of situations and the different scenarios and what mankind will be like and what mankind will believe and not believe and so forth and so on. There's going to be absolute panic. And I don't want you... I, I hope that by listening to these shows, you come to a better understanding of the state of the world we live in and why it's that way. It's very important that you keep in mind the things I talk to you about. It's a warning. Psalms 2.1 Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? That's an interesting question, is it? Isn't it? <laughs> is it? <laughs> Why do they rage and imagine the vain thing? They think they have something. They think they know what's going on. They think they're ready. They have no clues what they have. I'm going to quote you something here. See if you can guess who said this. Our heart, reason, intelligence, and history all summon us with loud and convincing voice to the knowledge that union with Christ is absolutely necessary, that without him we would be unable to fulfill our purpose, that without him we would be rejected by God, and that only he can redeem us. That's a very, very strong statement. That's a very profound statement. Lays it out plain and simple. Have any idea who said that? I was, I was kind of surprised, but I wasn't surprised because a lot of times, in their early life, at some point in time, they were a lot of these despots and tyrannical leader, tyrannical leaders, and so forth. They were they were Christian people. Someplace along the line, they jumped ship, you know, and they decided not to continue down that narrow and straight path. This was actually written by Karl Marx as a young teenager. He's the father of communism. He wrote the, uh, what's it, the manifesto, something manifesto? Karl Marx. You never know. I just have a quick commentary. I think a lot of people's thinking is biased. I think the reason why so many Americans who are pro-life or anti-affirmative action or who support gun rights, I think they detest the mainstream media. And the reason why is that day after day, they fail to see in the media any respect for their views. Do you ever notice that? 
Look at even the commercials on TV and the type of shows, TV, you know, whatever, media. What we see as believers and, and patriots is a mainstream media seeming to legitimize one side, which, of course, is the one that the media elites agree with, but they want to legitimize that one side as a valid and moral way of thinking or way of living. And then they take the other side, which is us, and they try to cast us out and call us small-minded and bigoted, as well as so many other things I've been called. <laughs> but that's how it's working out. That's how, it's, that's how it happens. This is all part of the propaganda uh, machine, I guess you could say, at work, just like it's done in the past for dictators and um, despot leaders. In the past, they didn't have TV, so they used radio. And then before that, it was in print. And it's always in print. Even today's day and age, they still print. But the interesting part of this is there's an eroding trust in national news and in media outlets. Accusations are being aired, whether the powers that be and the elites want it to or not. We've learned a whole lot about <laughs> the things Trump talked about and people said he's out of his flipping mind. Well, here we go, folks. We have a president and his son that are over their heads in illegal actions of one type or another. You know, they just found some daggone cocaine in the West Wing the other day. Cocaine. I'd start talking to Biden's kid. Hey, did you go in the West Wing while you were here the other day? Serious. Unless, you know, I mean, I guess it could be, anybody could be using it. I find it kind of funny. Yeah, I, I really do. I think it's funny. Anyways, back to what I was saying. There's this, you know, we're being marginalized and misrepresented, and that's fine. That's how it happens. All right? That's how they get across their message. They have to advertise what they're going to do. And the reason they do that, that part, is because, you know, God has prophecies and stuff and they come true, right? Well, they're trying to accomplish the same thing. And telling you in certain ways and different avenues of approach what's going to happen, they're kind of playing that role of God. Because when it happens, they say, well, gee, look at that. I told you it was going to happen. Okay. It's just we have to remember the world is not our friend. <laughs> in, in <laughs> not even close. And we're going to be eventually blatantly censored across the board. There won't be any truth out there. Which is why, you know, one of the reasons why I always say it's important you read. It's important you do your research. Because soon to come, they're not going to allow that to happen. So, please remember and be aware and be ready. 
So I find out that this cross-dressing gunman who was behind a July 4th Philadelphia bloodbath left five dead is a BLM supporter. <laughs> and this individual made some chilling Facebook posts about black massacres and evil spirits. This guy went gung-ho. Forty people shot dead, or shot dead were four men and a 15-year-old boy. And this guy is a cross-dressing cross fruit cake. And ugly at that. I don't understand where they think they have the what it takes because they don't have even, they're not even close. Not even close. But, you know, again, they're going to come against guns and things like that. So be ready for it. I just kind of threw that story in there. So Mr. Biden, you know, we all know, because you listen to the show and I've talked about it, you know, the World Economic Forum and what their goals are and what they're out to accomplish and why and so forth and so on. Well, don't forget the UN. They're the boss, you know. They're the kings. And Biden is giving the UN... Uh, a, an agreement that will solidify numerous policy reforms offered by the UN and agenda. What it what this boils down to is it's a plan that reworks several different ways our country operates, mainly being that, you know, we have the right to do things for ourselves and so forth and so on. It, you know, it, it's putting the UN in, you know, charge of us. And it's an emergency platform. So if a so-called emergency happens, what, the UN just gets to step in and say, whatever, you know. Well, that's exactly what they're saying. And our, you know, rights will be no more. Just so I let you know. When is enough enough? Let's have a sip of coffee. We'll find out, huh? When is enough enough? Probably one of the things most of us don't want to think about because we like to think even to the end there's, there's hope here. And, you know, in certain regards, there is hope. Right here, right now, in our faces... As the neo-Sodomites set the stage for the moment when I believe God in heaven is going to say, that's enough. I believe that's part of the, part of the, God's way of thinking in these times. That's enough. He said enough is enough. Back when, uh, you know, man had become anti-God and so wicked that he ended up destroying all flesh that wasn't in the ark, uh, you know, during Noah's day. Noah and the flood, Right. The only survivors were the eight souls, so eight people, and the animals. That was it. He said enough is enough at the time of Babel when, you know, people were determined to do only what was right in their own eyes. Boy, does that sound so familiar. And then, of course, he said enough is enough and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. 
You know, they did some uh, research out there. They've been looking for it for a long time. They finally did find the area that it was in. And what they discovered, one of the things they discovered, was not that... <laughs> not only was there ultimate and absolute destruction of everything and everybody, but the amount of energy that it would have had taken, and it would have been an air blast. So... An air blast is when the bomb goes off while it's still in the air, gets close to, you know, whatever the distance is, and then it explodes. And it, it has a far-reaching effect because nothing is holding it back. As opposed to if it goes, you know, hits the ground or whatever, the ground kind of absorbs some of that destructive force. You know, there's still destruction, but... So that's the difference between the two. And they say... It had to have been an air blast. And the amount of energy to have destroyed, you know, the everything that they're seeing was beyond that of, like, compared to all the nuclear weapons in the world and the sun, and, you know, just this <laughs> unheard of amount of energy instantaneously. Boom. And they know it was instantaneously because of how some of the bodies are laying and things like that. They were caught unaware. Boom, you're, you know. And then um, some of the, uh, what do you call it? Artifacts and so forth. So it's a very interesting, you know, when you think about how God does things. <laughs> so, you know, I harp a lot on Jesus. I harp a lot on the prophecies. I harp a lot again on so many different stories. But again, there's developments. One of the things Jesus prophesied about when he was here on earth was there was going to be a time near the end of this age of grace when God is going to say, that's enough. Let's look at Luke 17 for an example. It says this, verse 26 through 30. Also, at the time of the Son of Man, it will be just as it was at the time of Noah. People ate and drank, and men and women married, right up until the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. See, Noah preached. Noah told the people what's going on, not to mention the fact they were curious because this guy's building a huge boat, and, well, you know, there's no water like that to float a boat like that. Anyways, to continue, verse 28. Likewise, as it was in the time of Lot, people ate and drank, bought and sold, planted and built. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. That is how it will be on the day the Son of Man is revealed. Two things, Noah's and Lot. They both lived during a time, Noah at his time, the world was so corrupt and evil, so the whole world, you know, wash it. And with Lot, he lived in Sodom, in the two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. And there were tens of thousands of people that lived in those two cities. So it wasn't like, you know, a little hamlet, boom, all done. No, no. These were major, major, major cities of the day. And they catered to all sorts of evil and sin. In fact, when we read the story of Lot, 
Lot was Abraham's nephew. Um, we find out that <laughs> these people were so decadent and so deprived of any sense of morality or anything that when the angels were in, there to get Lot and his family out of there before the destruction came, the angels actually wanted to have sex with... Oh, no, oh hang on. Take two. <laughs> the deprived and an indifferent male population wanted to have sex with the angels. That's just not right. You know, just as matters involving Israel and the Gog-Magog coalition, forces are in view. So we're seeing these countries come together in developing relationships. We just had a big one was Iran. No, Iran. No. Yeah, Iran and Saudi Arabia. All right. And who brokered that? China. You know, and we're seeing these, that's just one example of many. We're seeing these countries coming together, making agreements, covenants, giving their authority to each other, things like that. So we see this coalition building. We see the countries coming together. And just like all issues involving movement towards the end times and the man of sins revealing, these things are really developing pretty quick. There's not a lot of time between one thing and another. You know, when the Bible in the early 60s, or prayer was taken out of school, and of course then they started working on getting the Bible out of every place and any place, it was a, it was a time period. You know, it took some time. Then you had the marriage issues and sex and so forth, you know, the 60s revolution, all that, and then abortion. And now we're where we are as far as that goes. And, you know, I identify as or whatever. Now, things are moving so much quicker. The, when I talk about disorder and, and chaos... There's going to be cultural and societal corruption on a scale never imagined. You just can't imagine that people could be so wicked. Because that's what it is. It's wickedness. They're displaying what their hearts are full of. Wickedness. This is why Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. Their works. Their works. I'll tell you right now, folks. Many, many, many people, especially in the role of government, I'm not talking about the administrative workers, I'm talking about the powers that be, they're outright Satanists. And most of them, or a lot of them, at least, very much a lot of them, they, they suffer from what's called a walk-in. A walk-in is... A situation where an individual drifts so far from God and in words and deed, an evil spirit actually gets permission to, to literally take control and possess that individual. Not from the outside, but the inside. 
So their spirit or their soul is replaced by this evil spirit. It's their choice, right? They decided they don't want to, you know, love and serve and obey the Lord God. Then, you know, just like these warnings I talked about earlier, God warned them before these things happened. God warned Nineveh. Lot had to go do it, right? He didn't want to. He was pretty upset with God when God <laughs> gave him mercy. But then God let him know, hey, I'm God, not you. I make these decisions. They repented of their evil. So guess what? Okay. But then, of course, as we know, the story is not much later, they went back to the way they were, and phew, that was the end of them. But anyway, they're evil individuals, people. They're literally possessed by evil spirits. And then you have, I guess what you would call, you could call a, a normal possession, which is <coughs> they, don't, they don't reside inside the individual, but they work like crazy on the outside to drive them in directions, you know, and so forth. And that happens to the rest of them. So, all in all, they're all satanic uh, cultists, occultists, and many other things too, but it's all evil. One of the greatest evils in this century, I said in this, well, yeah, this century and the last, <laughs> was, was abortion. You see, the gods, such as Baal and I, it's asked, Esther and Molech and, you know, a myriad of others, they want children sacrifices. A child, that's why the unborn, it's so key to the sacrifice agenda. The younger, the better. You know, so here we are. Here we are. Governors across the country, blue states, are doing everything and anything they can to make sure if they want an abortion, they get one, regardless of what the Supreme Court says about any of it. I know in the state of Arizona, Katie Hobbs, Governor Hobbs, said they're willing to pay for their airfare and stuff and get them here from another state if they have to because the state they live in won't allow abortions. This is just out of, it's, out, it's insane. It's out of control. You're going to that level of you know, whatever, evil, to commit evil. Let me tell you what God says about this satanic assault on children. We find that in Luke, Luke 17 again. It were better for him, the one that misleads a, a young one, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Jesus was very, very, very much about being able to relate to and have feelings for, appropriate feelings, towards the young people, towards the children. You know the instance in the Bible where there was a crowd and they're talking to him and he's talking to them and this and that, and the children, you know, tried to get in there. They wanted to see him. You know, they wanted to know him. So they weaseled their way through the crowd, however they did it and whatnot, and they finally get to him. And all of a sudden, all the adults go, no, 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 get, don't bother him. You know, 
their idea of showing respect. Okay, fine. But what did Jesus say? Oh, nay, nay. He says, let them come. Let them all come. And let me tell you, if you don't become like one of these, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. Because these are the ones that the kingdom of God is about. Isn't that something? And yet in our society today, no. Yeah, make an appointment Tuesday, come on in. Some places you don't even need an appointment. You just go. That's how kind of, I guess in a way you could say how quick it happens. Right? It's an outpatient deal. Boy. That's evil. That's evil. And you know, I'll bet you that ties into the next part of the show. Feelings of impending doom and dread. Don't you feel it? You know, I got to tell you, we're living in the days of probably, <laughs> it's going to get worse, but the days of great uncertainty right now. You know, somebody reminded me, many people, including many churchgoers, are filled with fear, doubt, and trembling. Bah. Excuse me. There again, as I said in the early part of the show, trying to warn you, trying to get you ready, trying to let you know what's coming. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. But let there be no doubt we are under God's judgment and the world too. Now, you know, he's always got the last word on everything. And he's patient and long-suffering. And the reason why is because he's not willing that any should perish. If it was up to him, you know, if there weren't reasons why or why not and rules and laws and so forth, he wouldn't let anybody perish. He would have taken care of that thing back with Adam and Eve. But he does judge the wicked and pronounce a righteous sentence upon them. That is going to happen. Unfortunately, in certain times or certain ways, that judgment on the wicked is going to affect us too. We're seeing that now there's a lot of attitude, there's a lot, sorry, I got stuck there for a minute, towards the things of God. People are too caught up in their own personal pursuits to bother with God, or even his word. When I was growing up, I remember, didn't matter really what religion you were, but there was a Bible or two in the house, every household, that I remember ever being in or going in. The Catholics, they used to, some, some of them set a table aside. You know, small, like a phone table size thing. You know, the phones <laughs> back in the day. And that was for the Bible. Someone had candles around it or a picture of Jesus on the wall. You know, all that kind of stuff. The Bible was revered and greatly honored. But not no more. Not anymore. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. You know. We have them saying... They claim to be Christians. Let me tell you something. I'm not denouncing the word Christian or denying its, you know, 
rightful place in the lexicon. But in this situation, I'm going to talk about Christians and born-again believers. There's a difference. There's a shoeload of Christians in the world. Karl Marx considered himself a Christian. How many millions of people died under his rule and his teaching? But even these Christians, so-called, they know something's coming. They feel it in their bones kind of thing. You know that kind of thing? Drink of water. They know something's coming. So we have so-called Christians who don't know squat about what's coming, but they sense something is about to happen. It's the kind of thing where, whether you're a meteorologist or not, you know, when you see those dark clouds start to gather and maybe even the wind starts picking up and so forth and so on, then all of a sudden you got a little lightning off in the distance. What do you think? What do you think's going to happen? Well, you start thinking it's moving this way and, you know, we're going to have a storm. We're going to get some rain. <laughs> it's sort of like that. You see it coming, right? You know what it is and you take action if necessary, right? I remember living in Florida where they had tornadoes on a regular basis during the season. And they don't have basements in Florida, so you can't go hide in your basement or anything like that. But you went to the bathroom and, and put a mattress over you in the tub. Bathrooms in Florida, I don't know if they still do, were the strongest room in the house. You know? If the rest of the house was made out of wood, you know, so forth like that, the bathroom was brick and mortar. You know, bricks. Anyway, you prepare yourself. So we have unbelievers and professing atheists and then professing Christians and pagans are all reporting, you know, a feeling of impending doom and dread. It's, it's coming. We have numerous scriptures. I just didn't get into it because I didn't want to get bogged down in a bunch of scriptures. But there's a myriad of scriptures that attest to that the way things are, the way things are getting, and eventually what's going to happen. We've seen things change over the past couple of years at a rate that I don't think anybody thought it would, it would go that fast. So, you know, we learned something, right? <laughs> they can make it happen, happen, Captain, real quick. But we don't have anybody sounding the alarm from the church. Why is that? Why is nobody like the John the Baptist saying, repent and seek God? Why is nobody, nobody's interested in that at all? Nobody's willing and able or whatever to speak out. Be that fish swimming against the tide, right? In scripture, there's a line that says, choose who you will serve. And if it be God, then get serious about your service to him and the commission he's called you to. A lot of people don't understand that about being called out by God. You're commissioned 
to perform a, a duty, an act. It's not just a, you know, just like with any job. You don't get a title without work to be done. God doesn't give you a title as a son or a daughter, you know, a born-again believer, and not expect you to do something. God's called so many people. But, unfortunately, very few have listened. Sometimes, sometimes, I wonder sometimes if all the information and warnings I, I myself give are simply falling on deaf ears. Are you listening? Do you hear it? Do you understand it? Email me and ask me, you know, whatever. What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? What do you want me to talk about? What do you want me to, you know, what do you want me to tell you? Let's start a dialogue. Let's talk Mike one at gmail.com. Let's talk M-I-K-E, the number one, at gmail.com. The problem I'm finding is these warnings are falling on deaf ears. Just like, you know, <laughs> Noah warned them, hey, it's coming, and nothing. And it took them 120 years to build that ark. So these people had more than enough time <laughs> to figure it out. But, you know, I asked myself, what is it going to take for godly men and women to rise up, to stand up, to speak up, and under, understand the urgency and lateness of the hour? What's it going to take? I don't know. I'm not God. But God does know, and he knows your heart. And that's what he's judging. In Joshua 24, Joshua took over after Moses. Joshua 24, verse 14 through 16. Therefore fear, this is from the Hebrew Bible. Therefore fear Adonai, and serve him truly and sincerely. Put away the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve Adonai. Now if it seems bad to you to serve Adonai, then choose today whom you are going to serve. Will it be the gods your ancestors served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorai in whose land you are living? And then this is one of my favorite scriptures. We have a, a ribbon, like a metal ribbon kind of thing, all decorated with this scripture on it. As for me and my household, we will serve Adonai. And the people answered, far be it from us that we would abandon Adonai to serve other gods. But they did. That, you know, they started serving another god at Mount Sinai. You know, they built the god right out of gold, the calf there. Yep. Didn't take them long. It never does. Never does. <laughs> it's got to be frustrating for God, I, I would think. But the key is to serve them, what's it say? Truly and sincerely. And this talks about the gods and so forth and goddesses, you know, that were they were dealing with at the time of the Exodus, you know, from their time in Egypt, 430 years, I think it was, you know, captivity there, slaves. And um, so, you know, they became very much aware of the different gods and goddesses of the Egyptian people, you know, and a lot of those people drifted away from God. They started delving into these other religious practices and eventually, for a lot of them, they just got so far away from God, it was just, he was a forgotten thing. 
They are so into this new thing. But Joshua says, choose today. Not tomorrow, not next week, not in 10 minutes. Today, now. Is it their gods and false gods? Or is it going to be the living God, Adonai? So, what's the deal? Are you ready? You getting ready? You getting excited? Things are happening. Things are happening. It's, it's you know, even though there's going to be a lot of death and destruction, and I mean to tell you, it's going to be on a level like never before, it's kind of exciting. Almost in a macabre way, right? <laughs> because we know that these things, they have to happen. God said so. Not I said so. No, God said so. And I give you scriptures for that. Plus, get a Bible and look for them. So he said this is what's going to happen. He said in the prophets, he said when he came here as his son in Jesus Christ, and he's talked about it ever since. Why do we have a problem understanding the days we live in? I think basically the deal here right now is so many have been given over to the strong delusion. There's a million examples from these climate change crisis freaks to free and fair election. Yeah, okay. I think the strongest delusion is from those who constantly want us to get this, quote unquote, follow the science. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's more than just two genders. Uh-huh. We have, <laughs> or we're developing an infinite number of genders. If we don't acknowledge that there's something wrong with that, then there's something wrong with us. If we don't restrain ourselves from celebrating their decadence and their sin, along with them, gay pride stuff and whatever, wokeism, the whole nine yards, if you support that and help it develop and become something, man, you are in a world of doo-doo when it comes to the Lord God. And I know, you know what, call me a hateful bigot. Okay, fine, call me a racist. Yep, you're right. Thing is, I hate blacks as much as I hate whites. Ha, ha, ha. And anything and everything else. Let's face it, we all have those moments, whether we're black or white. I can't stand you, you this, that, and the other thing, and blah, 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 bleep, bleep, bleep whether it's white or black. They want us to accept this new transgenderism. Wait, 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 no, wait. These people are completely confused. Trust me when I tell you. They're going to have, like I said just a minute ago, a multitude of gender identities. And beyond a shadow of a doubt, this has got to be one of the strongest and greatest proofs that most of America has fallen prey to the strong delusion that God said he would send. Now, I use that word a lot, delusion. So I got the, I got the definition here, or the, the breakdown. It, it is a misleading of the mind, false representation, error, or mistake proceeding from false views. Now, let me say this. I think I said it in the last show, but I'm going to say it again real quick here. When... King Ahab was set to die. 
All right? So what we read in the scriptures, I don't remember where it is, but trust me, it's there, um, is we're suddenly uh, seeing, you know, imagine what you're seeing, let the scripture talk to you. God has a council meeting. Yeah, he does that quite often. And in this council meeting, you know, he says, look, Ahab's got a, you know, his time is up. How are we going to do this? That's interesting, isn't it? So what ends up happening is, real quick here, an evil spirit, imagine that, even the evil spirits are in the council, or they're watching, but this evil spirit speaks up and says, hey, I'll tell you what, I'll go down there and I'll put a lie into his mind. I'll make him believe that going into this battle is going to be a great victory. But the point is, it's going to be his final, you know, final stand. He's going to get killed. And the Lord God says, you know what? That's a great idea. Have at it. Go. Do it. So he misled Ahab into thinking, you know, it was a good thing to go to battle when it was his demise. So you see, when people leave God, when they deny God, when they oppose God, when they start to support these other things that are anti-God, anti-Christian, you're being worked by a demonic spirit. You're being controlled by something or someone that is as evil as it gets. These spirits I talk about, they're destined for hell. They're, 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 their time is, they know what's going to happen. They don't have any doubts about it. They don't have salvation either. Only we do. And I think one of the reasons demons are so mad and so angry and so forth when, you know, someone gets sent to hell is because they, I wonder if they say to the person, you had the chance, you had the opportunity, you could be in paradise right now and you're down here with us forever because you refuse to believe, because you didn't repent, because you wouldn't humble yourself on and on and on. That's, that's how it happens. So I don't think ever before we've had so many people, of course we have a great population in the world too, but I don't think, regardless of that, I don't think so many have ever been so confused. And I dare say that never before have so many been so forcefully coerced, not, you know, in so many ways willingly, forcefully co coerced into accepting, believing, and then, of course, pridefully celebrating so many of these delusions, of these sinful matters. You're caught up in the euphoria of the moment. I have two relatives that are bona fide lesbians. And I told them in no uncertain terms, I absolutely despise what you do. I hate, in the greatest means or definition of the word, that sin you commit. But, as my relative and someone I love, as my relative, I love you. And that was the end of the conversation. I don't think, maybe they didn't know what to say in response. I think they knew where I was coming from. They know, you know. So, 
we have so many that have consciences that haven't been totally seared yet. So these are the ones that instinctively know things are worse than just not right. You know, this this is not about not being right. This is about, wait a minute, hold on here. And this is what's brought about an atmosphere of the fear, depression, tremendous amount of anxiety, and in so many cases, unfortunately, madness. And I, when I say madness, I mean madness. And these sorts of issues or these behaviors or feelings and so forth, not even Pfizer can fix it with their pharmacia. Not going to happen. Pharmacia being a Greek word for pharmacy or pharmacal. That. So unfortunately, you know, we had the pandemic, you got the election thing, just so many things. People are just going over the edge. It says in scripture that men's hearts will fail them for what comes upon the earth or upon the world. I don't know exactly what that means. Well, I know what it means, but I don't know what would be the thing or it could be a series of things. We have, here's the thing, the carnal, worldly, and pagan unbelievers. So, right? Many Christians fall into that category. Pagan unbelievers, they can't claim any of the promises of God. None. Zip, zero. Don't let them talk you into thinking different. They are not they are not going to be saved from destruction. Now, the blessings and so forth, well, guess what? It's only for those whose shepherd is the Lord. Only for those who submit to and serve God Almighty. Plain and simple. This is for God's children, bought by the blood of the Lamb. Yeshua, HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah. And because we are His, we receive His Holy Spirit, unlike the others who receive the demonic spirits. See how it works? There's always, well, it seems to be a parallel, like a mirror thing between what God does and what Satan does. And, you know, Satan is always just short many times of the truth, so that way, I guess you could say he remains a liar. Jesus said he was a liar from the beginning, and that's his end. He was talking about the leaders of the day, that they were no better than him. Liars, cheaters, stealers, all of you. But what he spoke about in those terms wasn't about they were actually stealing product or stuff, you know, material goods, although they did do that. It was a spiritual thing. That's what I mean when I say if your pastors aren't helping you develop your spirit with more than just, you know, hi, Sunday's here, you know, let's do a half-hour service. I hate that. I love going to the Messianic congregation. The rabbi did not give a hoop about how much time because he'd say, plainly, it's Saturday, it's the Sabbath, you have no place else to be. Or you shouldn't. Hey, you know what? He's right. I don't have to go to work. I don't, I don't have to do a lot of things. And if you're going to schedule something for that Saturday, make it like three hours after the normal cutoff time for, you know, service. And he would, man, I'll tell you, 
the, one, one of the most profound preachers I've ever heard. And he was just a regular guy, but he was so in tune with the, the Jewishness and so forth, the Jesus and Judaism, and, you know, he was brought up in that. And then he, he went to school to be a rabbi, so he was really steeped in, you know, rabbinic teaching and so forth, Judaism, yada, yada, yada. But then when he became born again, he went to be, he went and got his uh, whatever, license or certificate, whatever they give you, you know, to be a, a preacher, Christian preacher. So, you know, and we got the best of both worlds. It was amazing, amazing. You know, we won't ever look back. That's what? A smart wife? Yeah. Yep. Yep. They were really, I listened to them online. It's, uh, I'll, I'll give you the website. It's Seed of Abraham, Schenectady, New York. His name is Rabbi, his first name is Steve. I'm not sure I'll say his last name right, so I won't. But there'll be, uh, you'll know the website, and there's him and his wife. She's a wonderful woman also. Wonderful. So let's keep moving. God's people, instead of fear and trembling, what, what do we get? Well, like the scripture says, and I mentioned before, green pastures and still waters. The thing with still waters is sheep, they're not the smartest <laughs> when it comes to certain things. And if it's a raging river, they're not smart enough to know, don't, don't go there. And so, you know, next thing you know, your sheep are going down the, down the river, down river. But anyways, back to what I was saying. You see, when our souls get weary and we, we feel somewhat defeated by this world, it, it happens. It happens. You know, me and my wife are retired. We live out in the middle of nowheres. And we only go to town when we have to. So out here, it's a little different and more <laughs> relaxing, I guess you could say, than if you lived in town or something like that. I mean, those of you who once lived in town and now live out in the country or something, you know what I'm talking about. And when we, we get our information from the Internet, the TV, whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes it wears you down. Even, you know, out here, you know, peace and quiet. And sometimes we can get, you know, like a defeated kind of feeling. Especially when we go to town. We don't like going to town. People are, well, whatever. But we don't like it. But the one thing that we have for sure, even though we may suffer any kind of setbacks or whatever like that, Jesus is ready there to restore it right, right up. The Holy Spirit is the key. The Holy Spirit guides and directs us in those paths of righteousness. So we, we need never fear. And right up until the point of death, if that's the case, you know, for the gospel, Jesus said you give your life for a myriad of things. Well, I'm paraphrasing, but you give your life for a myriad of things. And what's it got you? What did it get you? Because all the glory and whatever and honor you may have received on earth, none of that matters when you're standing before the Lord. The only thing that matters were, you know, are you a born-again believer? So even if we face death, what do we have? 
We have God. And his promises over and over again that he will never leave us or abandon us or orphan us. You see, every so often, even as believers, let me clarify something. Every so often, even as believers, God has to get his rod and staff out. The rod and staff. Directing the sheep. You tap on them. Sometimes you got to smack them a little bit. Send them in a you know certain direction or whatever. So, not only as tools for direction and guidance, but they can also be you know tools of discipline and correction. God's our Father, and I I don't know how many of you grew up with a father and how many of you didn't. But a father should love his children, and in so many ways think of nothing but them and their their welfare and their being. So God uses that rod and staff every so often because guess what? Well, we got pretty far off the beaten path, you know, so he's bringing us back. But it's in love. <laughs> Not like the kind of love when your parents whooped you and said, I do this because I love you and it hurts me more than it does you. Really? <laughs> I don't see tears in your eyes or welts or bruises. We just got to remain on the path. And if God uses the rod and staff, so be it. He's only using it because we're, you know, deviating. Stop deviating, right? Yeshua was talking to the, the apostles about his impending trip to Jerusalem. This, of course, was right prior to his going to Jerusalem for the last time. And Kepha, or Peter, he, uh, thinking like a man or, you know, a worldly person, tried to restrict Jesus from going. No, 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 that'll never happen, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And you know what Jesus said? Get this. Imagine this. Get behind me, Satan. So he's looking Peter in the eye and calls him Satan. He goes on to say, you're an obstacle in my path because your thinking is from a human perspective, not from God's. And then Yeshua told all of them, if anyone wants to come after me, let him say no to himself and take up his execution stake and keep following me, or take up his cross. You see, again, we, we do have to kind of stop thinking worldly. Not kind of, we do. We got to start thinking like God thinks, to the best of our ability. I know scripture says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. But that doesn't mean that we can't know what he's thinking. And that doesn't mean we can't know his ways. It's a little tricky, but it's simple. You will know God by reading scripture. You'll know God by looking at things around you. Just observe. Don't necessarily form an opinion. 
the scripture will help you understand why things are the way they are. The scripture will help you understand why things are the way they are with you before and after your rebirth as a new believer. And the scripture will also tell you how to understand the difference between a so-called Christian and a born-again believer. You're born again, man. That means all that nonsense and hoo-ha and whatever else was going on in your life back when, over, done, zip, zero, gone, never again, or you hope never again. And in the end, just remember, as best you can, you're not alone. I say it so many times, but it's so important that you understand that. So important. Thank you, everybody. This was Be Not Left Behind. Be Not Left Behind. God bless. I love you so much, everybody, and thanks for listening. Goodbye.